my wife at times tells me, I know, she's not here today, so this is what happened. I don't know where she's at. But <laughs> my wife tells me that I need to be more in touch with my emotions. Amen. That I need, to, I need to express my feelings more openly. Uh, I need to be more expressive with my feelings. Uh, does anybody else have this issue in their marriage? Is it just me? Is it... <laughs> Is it, is it just me? Is it, okay, I got some hand raised. Like, so some other people are saying that, that, oh, my husband doesn't express himself. He's not in touch with his emotions. He's not in touch with his feelings. It's not just me? Okay, now I have discovered, I have discovered a peer uh, review journal in a video form of, of men actually being in touch with their feelings. So it is... Um, it is, it, it's possible. It's a doable thing. Men can express themselves. I actually believe that men are able to even express themselves in worship. The Bible says that we're supposed to do that as guys. So I, I prove to you that guys can express their feelings. And I have a video to help you show it. Let's bring the lights all the way down. All the lights. My favorite out of all of those was, was the big buff guy in the snow, and he starts crying. And I don't know if you heard it, but he's something like the fact that, you know, it took us, how many, it took us 23 years to get here, and then, and then this happened. He's crying, and then what does he do? He, he rips his jersey off and then stomps off. Now, these guys are obviously uh, passionate. Uh, maybe dysfunctional. The one with the family actually is a little disturbing, yeah. like actually very disturbing. Yeah. Like this is um, not godly, manly masculinity that we want to model to our children. Yeah. This isn't, we don't want them to act like that. Like we want our men to be passionate. We want our men to, to be bold and we want our men to, you know, to, to show courage, but we don't want them to act like that. And nor do we want, well, they're passionate guys, but this is focused on the guy that rips his jersey off. Was he committed to his team? I know he's been waiting 23 years for his team to get into the playoffs or the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever that was. I know, I know. I know he's been waiting a long time, but when they lost, he gave up. You said you guys said you guys catch that? He's crying, and then, then, then the team loses, and he rips his jersey off. Now, I'm done with them, and, he, and pouts off. This is what's fascinating to me about the human psyche and human condition during uh, sports events is the fair weather fans. Not the Fairweather friends, but Fairweather fans. Um, so Fairweather fans, they're not all in. They're only in when, the, when, the team, when their team is winning. Or they're only in when a team is winning. And they just, they just change jerseys to, to, 
to align with the winner. They're not all in. You want to know who is all in? Pastor Michael Jones is all in. Stand on up. Let's see it. Come on. Let's, let's come on. Show the jersey. There it is. He is all in. I did not ask him to wear this jersey today. You guys know that the Lions lost last week, and it was very sad. Yeah, I'd, I'd bring it up. The, the wound is still raw. But I did not ask him to wear his Lions jersey, his, his team that he loves. And he's always wearing a hat. He's always talking about it. But his team that he loves lost, but he wore his jersey today. That's a fan that is all in. Was he upset? Of course he was upset. Did he throw a temper tantrum? I don't know. We'll have to ask Jennifer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't know okay. But he's all in. So the going got tough, but he didn't get going. He stuck with his team. You know how important that is? You know how valuable that is? That uh, just because things don't go your way, you're good, Michael. Thank you. He's going to go do He's going to go to do the puppet show upstairs. I mean, it's rare. Um, it's just funny how all these Taylor Swift fans are now wearing jerseys. Right? Um, Jones made the point that, uh, was it last year the Seahawks were playing? A couple years ago. Everybody's wearing Seahawks jerseys. Is anybody wearing a Seahawks jersey now? No. Not even John Sullivan. Oh. John's all in. John is all in. <laughs> John is all in. It's like, where did all these Patriot fans come from? There were none. And so this, it's, it's human nature for us to align ourselves with the, with the winning team, and we'll change jerseys to do so. And that, my friends, is not the kingdom way. It is, it is, it's a very, very low commitment level. Now, when we talk about the areas of our, our relationship with God, we're in this new series, we're all in with God, you got to be all in. If you want to be, if you want God to bless you, you got to be all in. So, you know, if Murphy's Law hits you in, in everyday regular life, you know, your car blows out and you're like, why God? Um, and you, like, you, you let your relationship with the Lord dwindle, you're, you're just not all in. If something bad happens, if you get a bump in the road, if uh, you have problems with relationships and you blame God, it, it, then, then you're just not all in. If, you're, if your commitment and if your love for the Lord is predicated on how well you're doing, you're, you're not all in. Okay, so I showed some guys that clearly were not okay and they weren't all in, right? They weren't all in. They're, they're, their team lost. They lost their stuff. They threw the jersey down. They threw a temper tantrum. They, did, they just weren't all in. They thought that they were, but, they, but they're not. Okay, I, I got another video clip for you for a couple of guys. It seems like they're all in, but let's go ahead and roll this next one.
back here live. I want to bring in the Foster oh, Brothers. <laughs> they are super excited. They're the first fans out here this morning that I found anyway. And I, I have to say, this sign caught my eye. I sold my house to buy Super Bowl tickets. What's the deal with that? I did sell my house to buy the SSLs on the 50-yard line for $100,000 apiece, which gave me the right to buy Super Bowl tickets every time we host the Super Bowl. And the first one we hosted, the Rams won, baby! We're Super Bowl champions! Oh my, I don't, I don't know that we want to support that level of crazy fandom, but I have to say I appreciate it. And your brother, so you moved in with him, and you guys have been going to the games together since you were kids. That's right, that's right. Right here at the Memorial Coliseum, yep. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you guys have an incredible time here today. All right, thank you. Uh, Go Rams! And DeMarco, you said you like Rams kicks. He's got his own Rams kicks. I want to leave you with that. Very <laughs> top siders. It. Oh, I love it. How <laughs> cute are those? That is so cool. You know what? It's so cool that he sold his house to it. You know, brought his brother in. <laughs> is, it, is it really that cool? I mean, now that's that's commitment. That is all in. Selling your house and buying not just one but two tickets, hundred thousand dollars a pop. And then moving in with your brother because you're all in. I mean, these guys seem like really nice guys. They're the kind of guy that's going to, you know, help you jump your car if you're broken down and give you some good advice. Like, they seem like really sweet guys. They're also single. So, so single ladies. Single ladies out there. There's a couple of bachelors that have a very, very high commitment level. You saw it. They are committed. So you might, might have a good catch there with these guys. Isn't that fascinating? The level of, of sacrifice and commitment for one's football team? Yeah, I'm talking more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm going to keep it short today because I, I know you guys need to, you know, Clean your barbecues and get the, the dip going. So I, I promise I'll keep it short. <laughs> Man, you're getting heckled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where was I? Okay, selling your house to buy football tickets, that's a level of commitment. And, well, it's like, I wonder what they're into. The, the guy's got Rams shoes and jerseys, and it's just clear where their heart is. And we know where their heart is because we know where their money is. And not just their money, if they have kids, their, their kids' inheritance <laughs> Uh, went to, to purchase their, their game day tickets. $100,000 a piece. Who has that kind of money? Those guys don't. I mean, but they're willing to sacrifice at a very high level. It's so bizarre. And in some ways, I'm not asking you guys to sell your house, but in some ways, God is asking us to have this type of passion and this level of commitment. You want to, the series that we're in, it's called All In. We want, you know, we want to encourage you to be all in with God. 
And here's the, here's the deal. In order to be all in with God, it, you, you need to wear the jersey and not tear it off when things go bad and when things go sideways. When you're all in with God, um, you're, not, you're not like the fans that are in the stadium watching the game. When you're all in with God, the jersey that you're wearing is real and there's pads underneath it. And you're putting on that helmet of salvation and you're going to play. So you don't get to spectate, you have to play when you're all in. When you're all in, in a, in a church setting or in a faith setting, okay, this is going to be tough for a lot of us. You can have this personal relationship with God. You can have this personal relationship with, with Jesus. You can be even led and inspired by the Holy Spirit. You guys ready for this? And you can still not attend church. Like you can hear God's voice, you can be directed, you can, you, can be, you can have some type of a relationship with God and not go to church. You can. It's, it's doable. You can sit under the tree, connect with God, and never worship in the corporate setting. But you're not all in. You're not all in. And the scriptures are very clear. In order for you to be all in, you need to be a connected to the body of Christ. You need to be, you need to be a part of the church. You can't, you can't do a solo on this one. This isn't tennis. This is football. You have to be all in. Being all in with God is a lot like being all in in a marriage. We're going to be talking about this next week. So, um, so if, you're, if you're having uh, marriage issues and relationship problems, and if you p- know that people that do, this is, will be a good invite because uh, the success of a marriage all depends on the mindset of the husband and the mindset of the wife in that they both have this deep conviction that they are all in. And so, you know, why do marriages fail? Well, they, they fail because one of, the, one of them is not all in. And when you, when you enter into that sacrament of holy matrimony, you, you have to have the mindset that says... I am going to commit divorce is not an option. If I'm going to say these vows, divorce is not an option. I am, I'm literally all in. And then the honeymoon is over. And your spouse is leaving the underwear laying on the floor. <laughs> the honeymoon is over, and then the annoying habits begin to bubble up. The honeymoon is over, and then, you know... It's Ben and Jerry's night every night. And everybody begins to change physically. But when to say, you know, you have to say to yourself, I am all in. No matter what is going on in this relationship, I am not going to give up. Are there exceptions? We have biblical exceptions. We'll talk about those next week. But <clears throat> look, if you're going into a relationship uh, with, you know, in the back of your mind, you have a backup plan, guess what? You're not all in. 
You know, if, uh, if my marriage to, to Joe so-and-so, if it doesn't work out, I know I've, I'm going to keep on uh, sliding in on the DMs with this girl from high school, just in case, or guy from high school, just in case it doesn't work out. You're not all in. If you have a little backup plan in the, in the back of your mind, you're not all in. And so what we'll, next week what we're going to be talking about is that the relationship with the church and the relationship with Jesus is directly mirrored and illustrated by a biblically-based relationship between a husband and a wife. And it's in there for a reason. It's a very powerful illustration, and we're going to unpack it next week. But today, let's, let's just talk about, you know, where, where are you? What is, your, what is your commitment level on the team? And just like any relationship, you have to be all in. And it, there's a mindset that, that has to be a victory mindset. Meaning that, you know, when you go into a relationship, when you go into your, work, when you go into your workplace, when you come to church, when you approach the altar, you have to be thinking to yourself, I am in it to win it. This is not prosperity gospel, by the way, but it's a, it's a mindset that says, no, we're, we're going to play the long game. And so when you, when you do faith in a community, which we call church, when you do faith in a community, when you choose a church, you have to choose the long game. Do, do, uh, do churches lose? Churches lose. Do churches have hard times? Not this church. Just kidding. Yes, churches have hard times. Do churches make mistakes? Churches make mistakes, just like in marriage. We have to say, we have to, we have to say okay, I can get beyond this because I, I, I'm, the Lord is calling me to play the long game. I'm in it to win it. So when you're married, you're in it to win it. When you are, when you're doing your faith with your community, you're in it to win it, come what may. When you vote for your favorite football team, you're in it to win it. So if your team loses today, don't tear, don't tear your jersey off. Be a man and wear your jersey. Okay. Get your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? What do you think, what do you think Paul is talking to? He's talking to us. So we're in a race. This race is called life. And this race is, uh, we're wearing the kingdom jersey. And we all have to run. Run in such a way as to get the prize. So we have to run like, we want, like we're going to win. We have to believe that we're going to win before we get the trophy. Will you actually win? I don't know. But we have to run in such a way that we think that we will win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Uh, that's another word for discipleship. 
This is why you come to church on Sunday. You come to church on Sunday to be discipled. This is why you plug on in to a small group, a home group, a men's group, a women's group, any group inside of the church during the week. This is why you do it. You actually have to choose to disciple yourself. You have to choose to discipline yourself for a faith walk. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. They do not, they do not, uh, excuse me, they do not do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Okay, why do this thing called faith? Why do this thing called church? Why invest? Why sacrifice? Why make, make, why make God an, a priority in your life? Why be all in? Because you get a crown that will last forever. There is, there's eternal rewards for your faithfulness in being all in. Those guys that spent over $200,000 on football tickets, do you, what do you think their eternal reward is for that? Again, they seem like really nice guys that would help you out if your car broke down. But I would be really bummed if I was his pastor. Right? I would be really bummed because it's just, he's on the news and we know exactly where his heart is. We, ex- we know exactly where, we literally know where his treasure is. His treasure is in the stadium. Watching gladiators fight. Ooh. Okay. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. So got to have clear direction, got to know what you're doing, got to know where you're going. I do not fight like a man beating the air. You need, to know, you need to know what your purpose is. You need to know what your calling is. I don't know what my calling is. We'll start experimenting, and God will show you. Start moving forward. Start fighting the good fight, and God will show you what your calling is. He'll show you what your purpose is. He will show you what your divine destiny is in fulfilling your kingdom mandate. Do not fight like a man that's beating the air. No, I beat my body. This is so cool. I love this part. No, I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself uh, will not be disqualified for the prize. All right, so he's not like literally whipping himself. But what he is doing, what Paul is doing, like they didn't have, well, I guess they did have ancient gyms back in the day. So I wonder if Paul had a, like a Gold's Gym membership. He most likely did. But, I mean, you see the language that he uses. He's using athletic language to communicate a gospel principle. So he is saying, but not only is he using it as an illustration, he is being quite literal at the same time. He is saying, and I, look, whatever your calling is, you have to get your flesh under control. And so Paul is saying this. He says, I, 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 he's not whipping himself, okay? He's not intentionally hurting himself because he feels guilty about something that he has done. That's not what the Scripture is saying. Uh, in, in the past, people have misread this Scripture, and what, what they think that it says is, if you have sinned and you feel guilty, you need to beat yourself with a whip. 
And early church and medieval church came up with this concept of self-flagellation. And so that was their spiritual act of discipline and discipleship as they would beat themselves because they felt bad about themselves. That is exact, that's the opposite of what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is, I have my flesh under control because I do not want the devil to steal my prize. And so when you run this race and when you are sprinting and running in a way to win in, the, in, a, kingdom, in a kingdom mindset, and let's just say you win the prize, did you know that even after you cross that finish line, you have to, you have to practice self-control? You don't want the enemy to come in and steal your prize. And so Paul is saying, not only am I going to discipline myself spiritually, I'm going to, he's literally saying, I discipline myself physically. This is why we fast. This is why the, the, and I want to encourage you to do this. We don't have a fast thing on the calendar right now. Uh, I just want to encourage you to have a conversation with the Lord and say, Lord, what does it mean to me to fast? What does it mean to me for me to get my physical body under control where I'm telling my physical body who is in charge? You have your flesh under control. So, but we have to have a, we have to have like this victory mindset. We have to run in such a way that we actually believe and we actually hope that we will win. Spiritually speaking. Because if you don't, you're, you're just not all in. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start at verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry... It's God's mercy, it is God's grace that we get to do this. That you and I, that we have a ministry to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that we know. It's a privilege to carry the gospel. Then he says this, do not lose heart. Why would he say that? Well, he would say that is because walking this walk, having this ministry, it's not easy. If the Christian life, if, if spiritual discipline and practices, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. If we just got every single thing that we prayed for in an instant, if the, if, you know, if the prosperity gospel was 100% true, everybody would be doing it. We wouldn't have to encourage people to consider the cross. We just say, rub, rub the bottle, and the genie's going to pop out and give you whatever you want. No, it's hard. So do not lose heart, is what he's saying. It is so easy to get disillusioned in our faith walk because... Bad things happen to good people. Bad things have happened to you, I'm sure. And what we don't want to do when bad things happen to us 
And if you haven't done this, you will be tempted to do it sooner or later. When bad things happen to you and it is beyond your control, you gotta, you got to blame somebody. Please don't blame me. It happens, believe it or not. I get other people's disappointed projected on me because I'm the, the spiritual leader or whatever. Don't blame God. Amen. Don't blame God. Like, is, it, is it the situation that you're going through, is it hard? Absolutely, it's hard. Is God the author of this hardship? No, because God is not the author of evil. If you're in the midst of evil, God's not the author of that. Now, can he take that evil and make it into something good? Absolutely. And so this is why this mindset that says, I'm going to run this race, I'm not going to give up, and I'm going to run in such a way that I will win. And when you run in such a way that you will win, anything that is meant for evil can be turned to good. Skip down to verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure. It's the crown. It's the goal. It's the prize. It's the good news. It's the gospel. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we didn't rip our jersey off. We are perplexed. Why did they lose? I don't know, but I'm not going to get depressed about it. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted. And whenever you're persecuted, you feel alone. But the Word of God says you're persecuted, but you're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. You've lost the battle. You're not going to lose the war. Amen? You've lost the battle. If you're faithful to the Lord, if you're all in, you will never lose the war. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be revealed in our body. See, Paul's referring, he's actually referring again to the physical body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Isn't that powerful? So even though, you know, it might feel like you've lost, might feel like you're losing, like your team's going to lose, might feel like you're dying, if you carry the cross, you are living. 
The, the cross is a symbol of death. But if you're connected to this good news that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, and in that mindset that there is victory in the blood of Jesus Christ, then you're just not a loser. You will, you will win in the end. You will win this war if you carry the cross of Jesus Christ continually in your heart. And when you do, you know that it is not about you. It, it is about, it's about the body of Christ. It's about the good news of Jesus Christ that will save the world. It's a powerful message. It's a powerful ministry that we have the opportunity to advance. But you have to be all in in order to do so. Chapter 5, now we know that in the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, but we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because we are clothed. We will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that in this mortal way we may swallow up by, we, want, we, we may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So there's a guarantee. Like, even in the worst of, of your groaning, you have a guarantee. You have a guarantee that not only is it going to be okay, it's going to be awesome in your heavenly dwelling, in your heavenly bodies. So we have a, we have a lot to look forward to. And... I, I want to I encourage you today. It's just a very simple thing. Don't be a fair-weathered fan. If you experience hurts or loss in the context of a faith community, keep on running that race and run it to win. Don't give up. Don't don't. Don't quit on God. Like, that's a no-duh. But don't quit on the faith community either. Because, again, you can't be all in with God unless you are in a faith community. It's the way that he's designed it. It's the way that he's fashioned it. There was one other a video that I wanted to show you. And I, I lost it. I can't find it. But it's a gem, and there's no bad words in it. And it's, it's a video of this really big, giant, burly guy, and he's just crying like a baby because his team lost. And it's one of the best counseling situations I've ever seen because his wife is saying, Honey, what's the matter with you? It's just a game. It's just a game. 
You've got better things to be worried about. Like, I want you guys to have fun today. I want you to root for your team. I want you to be passionate about it. But I'd take a fraction of that passion if it could be applied to the church. If I had a fraction of that passion that we saw on TV, of, uh, of men tapping into their masculinity, if I had one fraction of that, man, we could do a lot with this church. We could do a lot with this church. So, guys, I know, I'm like you. I don't, I'm not in touch with my feelings, and I don't express my emotions well, but I want to encourage you to tap into that type of passion. Like, channel, channel the way that God made you. Like, God made you bold. God made you strong. God made you to be a man. And I just want to encourage you to take that power, the way that he's created you, and to channel it into kingdom expression. I'm not saying to give up on your football teams, but just at least try to match your passion for football with the Lord. Did I get a little too preachy there? I'm sorry. Okay. But, I mean, just could you, I mean, we could just do so much. We could just do so much if men and women were all in in such a way that. And when the church loses, it breaks your heart and you cry if you don't toss your jersey. In such a way when the church wins, you celebrate a victory corporately. When the church is trying to press on and move ahead, you figure out where you are on the field and how to best use your skills and your abilities in the way that God made you to get across that line just to get another first down. You need to live in such a way. When Jesus brought his disciples to the table, he was in essence saying, you guys are going to be all in. You don't understand it yet. They just kind of thought that they were going through like a ritual, Passover ritual. But Jesus had something much deeper that he was communicating. He is saying, no, we are, my friends, we are going all in. I am inviting you into a lifestyle that is all in. It is 100% sacrificial. They all died by persecution with the exception of John. They all sacrificed their lives for a story that we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. They were all willing to, to die for something that most people thought was fake. I mean, we, you know, you've got friends and neighbors and family members. They think that the, the Christianity is fake. There's nothing new under the sun. Everybody thought it was fake 2,000 years ago, too. And yet, those guys died for it. So let's just be all in. I don't know what that looks like for you or even for me at times. But Jesus knows what it looks like for you. Now, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus. Like, we have to choose to be all in. 
we have to choose the level of commitment that we want to make. But did you know that Jesus is all in with you? He's already made that decision. He's all in with you. It's like, you don't understand what I did. It's okay. He is all in. He doesn't, of course he cares about some horrible thing that you did, but he's made a way for that you can have forgiveness of that sin. He is, he is all in with you. There is nothing that you can do, maybe with the exception of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to get into that, but there's nothing that you can do that will change his game plan for you. Like Jesus isn't going to rip his jersey off because he, because you disappointed him. He's not going to throw a temper tantrum because you blew it. But he's made a way, and what, what this is showing us today is that he is all in. And so when you receive this element, when you see, receive the body of Christ, you are literally saying, I recognize that Jesus is all in me. Let's receive the body of Christ and know that he is all in us. There's so much power in this cup, in this cute little plastic thimble that, that some of my brothers and sisters say is symbolic. It's not symbolic. It's real. Is it going to literally turn into blood in your mouth? I don't know. I don't care. I'm just telling you it's real. This isn't a, a symbolic thing that we do to remember. This is an act that we do to connect with Jesus on an intimate level so that he can do a deep work inside of us and to, to flush out all the junk. We need to be washed white from our sins. And this is the only way that it happens, by receiving the blood of Christ for somebody that lived a life that we should live, somebody that has been an all-in for all humanity. Receive the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you, Jesus. I feel good. Doesn't that feel like victory? I feel like my team just won. In this new series that we have coming up on All In, this is kind of like the soft launch. I'm actually really surprised about how many people showed up at church today. I mean, I'm really encouraged because we call Super Bowl Sunday Black Sunday because hardly anybody shows up. But you guys showed up. That is so encouraging to us. So bless your heart for making your Sunday Sabbath a priority. All in. May God bless you for this faithfulness. We're going we're gonna to be talking specifically in this series about how to give back to God, why you should give back to God, the spiritual principles of tithing, the spiritual principles of giving. I'm going to teach from a, from a perspective of faithfulness and obedience. That's going to be the angle. Is there vision in that? Yeah, but I'm not going to start with the vision. I'm going to start with obedience. Because when we're obedient to God, then we, now, then we, we, we put him in a position to bless us. We have some very real needs in our church. 
That's one reason why, frankly, that's one reason why we're going into this series on allowing God to bless us financially. And so I'm going to go ahead and just start today, kind of showing you where we're at. And just so you know, we'll be asking for a commitment next week. So I just want you to want to encourage you to pray about it. What I don't want to do, I want you to see my heart. What I don't want to do ever is I don't want to compel you to give impulsively. I don't want to, I don't want to compel you to give because I've worked you up with a great sermon. I don't want to compel you to give because, I don't know, you did something really naughty this week and you need to pay penance. Like, I just, it's, it's not the way that God would do it. The way that God does it is says that you need to consider in your heart before you come what you're going to return to the Lord. There is some biblical models of what that is. We, we go with the gold standard, which is the 10%. It's the tithe. I know that's probably a lot. It's very heavy for a lot of people. But you need to decide in your heart in advance what you're going to commit to the Lord. And it's going to be hard. But we've got some powerful testimonies from people in this church that have put God's mark upon their finances. And you're going to be able to see those stories and to hear those stories. This isn't a one-time Sunday thing. I mean, you're going to hear me repeat things over and over again. And I'm sorry that if you might hear me say something over and over again, but the reality is, is that people are attending once, maybe twice a month. So i got to spread it out. So let's bring up the slide of the series logo, which is on your bulletin. And I'm going to show you what, I'm going to, what we need to pray for as a church community, or else there will be changes. So... That's our operating budget for the year, 850000 That's what we need to pay the mortgage, to pay the bills, to pay the salaries, to make this thing continue to go. I know that seems like a whole lot of money uh, for you. Uh, if you run a business, you know that that's not a whole lot of money. If you're involved in corporate leadership, you know that that's, that's like, yikes. So that's what we're praying for. And uh, that's the target that we need to hit. And I'm just going to make it clear. And if we don't, then we adjust. But it's a family thing. And we'll adjust if we have to adjust. So if I could have the ushers come to the front. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your beautiful creation. And we even thank you for the rain that washed away a lot of stuff. And may there just be a spiritual rain upon our souls that washes away a lot of stuff. And may it reveal some things in our hearts that we didn't know that were there. May it uh, uncover some idols that we've had buried for a while. May it... May the, the spiritual rain that's going to fall upon us, the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's going to fall upon us, may it show us where our hearts truly are and what our hearts, have been, what our hearts are dedicated to, where our priorities lie. And Father, as a, as a church family, we want, to, we want to put God first. God is first. We are second. 
Heavenly Father, we just pray for this offering. We pray that we'll be able to meet our budget. We pray for every family that is struggling and is having difficult times, just making their bills. God, we know that even in the hardest times, you are with us. You have a path. You know how that we can run this race and we can run it with intention. So in this coming season, God, I pray that you would reveal to us how to run the race and run it well, run it to win, and run it with intention. I pray this in your name. Sasha is gonna, she's gonna close us in prayer and close us with a blessing. And the Lord's placed it on our hearts that we pray for breakthrough and healing in the area of domestic violence. So Sasha, would you pray and pray for a breakthrough and healing? And then will you send us off with the Lord's blessing? Yes. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge that Super Bowl Sunday can be a really violent day. It's actually the most violent day with domestic violence. And, you know, Pastor Josh is right. We have to be in it to win it. And I can tell you right now that my family came from a very violent background. And it is being in it to win it, to be in church. Um, to be clear, the prize is Jesus. And when we come together and we pray, not only do we break those, the, the, we, we bind the enemy and the plans in, in our own families. I still have family that's not saved, that has that mark of violence in their life. And I pray for them. But when we pray together, we hold each other accountable and we give back. And so I can tell you that a testimony for me is our family. We're not perfect, but we see um, coming, putting uh, our finances, you know, putting God first, put being here every day. It makes a difference in our family, and we see that blessing. And that's what I want to pray for, that there are many out there today that will be touched by the Lord, even on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. So, Father God, we thank you that you are the God of yes, everything, God. that you are the healer, that you are the one that breaks the bondage of violence. And Man. there is really going to be out there, there, there are people, it, it breaks my heart that we, we see some of these things um, on the videos that, you know, are, are, are an example, but the reality is there are, there are women and children scared today for how their husbands or their fathers are going to react. So right now we pray that they would have the fear of the Lord, that they would be bound, Lord, by, your, by you, Lord, that you would actually come through and deliver them from this violence. And we break the chains of Satan today. We say no more. We ask that today you would come in, Lord, and do the thing that you do, which is heal families. So we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for this church, that you are here, that you are present, that you've healed, that you delivered families like mine from violence and and for salvation and for the generations, to have sons and daughters that are raised up in a godly way. That's what we pray for, for, Lord. So we, are, we thank you, Lord, for that, and we ask that you would do the same in our city, in the cities around us, and all who are watching, uh, would we come together in agreement that those bounds of, of domestic violence would be broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And now I just, I bless you all um, that you would continue to, to come together. It says that, you know, we, we are not to forsake the gathering. So like Pastor Josh says, bless you today for coming together and go with joy in the Lord because he is a God who loves faithfulness. And we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that this is our church family. And we ask that we would all be in it to win it and to put our, our, the mark of our finances on you first, that we put you first because that's what it's about. It's consecration. May we all be a holy people that consecrate everything and give it to you first, Lord. So we bless you, Lord, and we say thank you. Have your way in all of our lives. We love you. Amen.